You can't eat on this episode, by the way. Okay, I'm starving. <laughs> I'm starving. Though. Are you? Did you not eat breakfast? No, I did eat breakfast. That was like two hours ago. Oh now. my god, I have. This is like I've had four sips of bone broth. That's literally what I've had. And look at me. I'm so, ready to go, even so, with no sleep. It's it's metabolism. Something's wrong with my metabolism. Something's know. not wrong. It's called a habit, buddy. A no, habit. It's not. I feel listen, like I feel if I like. Started, yeah, listen. If I started eating every two hours, every two hours, all the time, all the time, all the time, then when those two hours came up, my body would be like, it's time to eat again. I mean, you're um, pro, you've programmed hmm. your body to need that every two hours. Well, you know, maybe so, I'll try bone broth all day tomorrow. Do it. You um, should do it. Just but look how day. healthy this is. It's, it's I'm not saying been, it's bad it's, food. Right, it's bananas. It's grain free granola. It's I don't care it's, that you know, it's healthy. I care that you're chewing in the microphone. Because <laughs> what happens is you're going to chew, and then your stomach's going to grumble about ten hours late, to ten minutes later, yes, and then you're going to have to put mute on your button because you're going to be coughing to clear your throat from the things that are still stuck. Like so, basically, just sets up all sorts of problems. Should you just wait? Should I just eat the snack and then? No, you just do the first five minutes. Of, okay. I'll do my mute button. That's why you know I bought a mute button in case you. Like, let, let's test it. Make sure it's working. So like right now the mute button's on. I don't know if you can hear me. We'll see. Now the mute button is off and you except know, you, you just can, press it on right? no no it's it's like the opposite yeah, it's on yeah. is off off is on anyway so why don't you welcome us in i'll have my snack and we'll see how this goes oh so dr bob's having breakfast and i'm gonna tell you guys welcome to the vaccine conversation i just watched that one where we said we said it at the same time isn't that so <laughs> funny i played it for my kids they were laughing because i was like ba-doo, ba-doo, ba-doo. <laughs> <laughs> i played that back like five times for them and oh, they thought it was funny. the most hilarious thing ever <laughs> <laughs> and you know, not everybody. Hey, I mentioned this two episodes ago. I, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea, you guys. You might not all find me that funny or find me that interesting or maybe don't like the fact that I weigh in with as many opinions as I do. But guess what, everyone? This is me. This is who I am. Love me or hate me. If you love me, I love you back and I'm, I'm happy that you're here. And if you hate me, just mute me until Dr. Bob starts talking or, or don't listen. I'm okay with either way. Listen, we want people here who want to be here. So right. yeah, but if, 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 if anything, you're always entertaining, you know, love you or hate you, you're always entertaining. So did you welcome us in or that was kind I, of a half hearted welcome? Why don't you welcome some in for reals? Vaccine conversation, Dr. Bob and then Dr. Bob. No, but you were oh, like, welcome that? in. You didn't like, okay, I'll welcome then you us do it, in. You okay. Do it. When you open the door for somebody else. Welcome in, everybody, to the Vaccine Conversation. I'm Dr. Bob, and Melissa's here with me, as always. <laughs> Melissa, how's it going? Oh, my God, how patronizing is that? I'm Dr. Bob, and Melissa's here with me, as always. Can't seem to shake me, wait, huh? Keep showing up. Wait, okay, no, 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 okay, okay, I'll do it again. Welcome, everybody, to the Vaccine Conversation with Dr. Bob. And here, as always, is my sidekick, Melissa. (laughs) Welcome. I'm your sidekick? Really? I have to be, like, down a notch as the person on the side of the motorcycle car? Like, come on. Like, let's really do this for real. This this is your last chance. Come on. Let's make this this, this real. Come on. Welcome to the Vaccine Conversation with Melissa. And Dr. Bob is here too. There we go. <laughs> there you go. No, but no, for reals, I, I just want to say, I mean, think everyone has been listening to us for a while, completely 100% know that you and I are completely equal partners in this. It's not yep. Dr. Bob with Melissa. It's not, you know, Melissa with Dr. Bob. It's Melissa and Dr. I Bob. Know and that, I, I, and you I appreciate know, that. Because you, I mean, I value your intelligence, your passion, your conversational abilities, and the fact you don't have to have a snack every hour. So See, I, I value something. that. I so bring thank something you. to the table. Thank you for, I'm going to mute my button and eat a little bit of my yogurt and listen Enjoy. to tell you about this episode. Meanwhile, let's not feel sorry for the fact that I'm only drinking bone broth on a bone broth fast while he's eating like eight different meals during our podcast time. That's not cruel and unusual punishment at all. But you know, I've gotten so many nice comments about they really like our... Um, they can tell we have such a good friendly relationship and that we have nice banter and that we have a good back and forth with each other because we really do. We've worked together very closely for the last um, four years, basically a lot of writing articles and researching things and going back and forth on facts. And so we have a lot of time that's shared and experience that is shared. And so we are, there's a familiarity there that I think is comfortable for listeners. Um, There's not a lot of awkward time in our stuff, um, which is good because sometimes you do hear that with people. It's kind of like that uncomfortable, awkward, um, 
Go ahead. As I say, what's <laughs> going to be awkward is if my mute, Matt told me the mute button works 99%, but it's not 100%, otherwise there's feedback. So it'll be uh-huh. awkward if you can actually can hear this chewing yeah, on, yeah. The, on the episode, but we'll see. We won't know until we play it back. Well, right? lucky for you guys, you might not hear it, but unluckily for me, I am definitely hearing it. So, <laughs> so that's awkward. But, um, but yeah, so I appreciate that you guys uh, like, you know, um, the uh, dynamic that we have, um, which is completely like we literally just press play on this button. By the way, there are no producers, no other people here. We don't have, in fact, even Matt, our wonderful sound magician, is not even here. Like He hasn't been here since the first couple of episodes. Um, he sets things up or does things after the fact. And right, he sets it up remotely. He actually logs on to his computer from home. You can do that oh, now. Oh, nice. Yeah, and he controls it. He sets it up and tells me how to look at it and and then I always have to glance over the board to make sure it's working. And then Melissa freaks out. She's like, wait, is it working? Is it going? Anyway. So, yeah, I mean, so. you know, we're, this is not some humongous professional organization that's running this. It's literally two people in a podcast studio trying to have a conversation about a topic we're passionate about and a topic we know you want to hear about. And uh, there's no, we don't have segments. We don't have like, it's not, this is not organized in any way. We literally are just having the conversation with you guys. And, and you know what? I think that's what you love about it. I think that's honestly what people like. It's not overly produced. It's not inauthentic. We are literally just being ourselves and pressing the button and we just go. Right. Unless I kind of <laughs> stick to my voice like this, right? Anyway, but no, you're totally right. Yeah, as a that's result, what we want it to be. But as a result, there could yeah. be a few longer rants or or some <laughs> right. some chewing right. that you hear and coughing and clean. I mean, because this is just like as right. legit as this could be as like being in the car next yeah. to you while you're listening to this, having yeah. this. Yeah, but I think, you know, right now we're, uh, I mean, we've said this, I don't know, I don't know what order we're going to air these episodes in, but uh, I mean, we are both kind of very exhausted, very tired. We, we've been Why through, are we exhausted, well, Dr. Yeah. Bob? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, we, we try to laugh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not a laughing matter. We basically are in the middle of, you know, this, uh, this uh, legislative uh, situation in California where they're trying to uh, basically... Um, change how parents get medical exemptions from vaccines. Or whether know. or not they qualify. And it's a it's a California bill. Yet other states are also dealing with similar bills. Um, and so I think this this message would apply to a lot of states, but basically... Or if they're not now, they will be. Absolutely, 100%. And I, you're, you're totally right. I think if it's not where you live yet, it, it for sure will be in the next five, 10 years. Less um, than that. I think within the next... Three to five years, right? Because yeah. we we've seen this shift from everybody sort of uh, accepting everyone else's viewpoint on vaccines to basically the you know the the government and the media and pharma and medical associations all working together to basically make vaccines mandatory um, to you know to go to school and to go to daycare and and I you know I kind of was hoping they would stop there, but I honestly feel like that will eventually become mandatory vaccines for everybody to be a human in our country. I feel like they will literally eventually for, try for to make this citizens. just, just yeah. downright uh, mandatory. So that's why mm-hmm. we, I guess, you know, today's topic is, is advocacy, you know, coming out of your closet, coming out of your box, coming out of your, your home to become an advocate for, you know, the, the pro-informed consent or the vaccine you know, safety advocate movement and, and we are going to try to stir everyone up and tell you why that's important because um <clears throat> what's going on in you know in California right now is is you know they're going to change the law so that you know, right now if your child had a severe vaccine reaction you medically can opt out of more doses of vaccines for that child and your next kids and if a mom or dad had a severe vaccine reaction you can medically opt out for vaccines for your kids if you have a lot of relatives that had very severe vaccine reactions or if you if there are tons and tons of you know serious medical disorders that can be directly related to vaccines and vaccine risk in your family, your doctor can give you a medical exemption to opt out of vaccines. Um, that's how current law exists, and they're basically trying to change that so that you can only medically opt out if you if if your child if the the person you're trying to opt out of vaccines had a has a CDC contraindication to further vaccines, right? And and that's and basically, which is only um, encephalopathy, 
coma, you know, severe brain damage, permanent brain damage after vaccines, or if you went into anaphylactic shock after a vaccine, you would then be able to medically opt out of more doses of that one vaccine and that vaccine only, not other vaccines. Um, and your doctor wouldn't decide whether or not you opt out. It would be a public health official uh, would decide whether or not you would opt out. So can I clarify so, two things right. really fast? One, there have been school mandates since the late 70s. Okay, that's mm -hmm. when states started um, adopting uh, mandates for public school entry. So I right. don't want people thinking that that was never the case, and now all of a sudden they're pushing mandates. Mandates have always existed, but there have always been exemptions right. for opt-outs opt yeah. for um, a small percentage of people who disagreed on religious or uh, philosophical belief um, grounds. And then also for kids that are medically fragile, genetically susceptible, all those, that small percentage of children always had the ability to opt out and, and still had the right to go to school. Right, and have their doctor make that judgment with them. You know whether or not they, they could medically opt out. Um, but so that this, that's not new. What's new is all of the legislation since 2014 that started um, when West Virginia and Mississippi that started taking away exemptions to that particular mandate. So so now they are being forced in order to have any kind of education. So it's not like it, you always needed to have them, but now, but you had a way to opt out for that small percentage that had a very specific need for that. And now they're taking away that need and they already did that in California. But what they're doing this year is the one thing we have is a medical exemption for the children that are genetically susceptible, previously vaccine injured, they're at risk siblings or at risk family members. Those are the people that if this bill passes as it's written, 95% of those people, if not higher, will lose their medical exemptions and be forced to either continue vaccinating to go to either public or private school, or their parent will be forced to lose their job because we have uh, mostly dual income families here in California because the cost of living is so high. So they will be forced to lose their job and have to homeschool a child, even if that child is previously vaccine injured or vaccine damaged. Um, and even if that child's own physician with their medical documents, family history, and their file of information regarding privacy, uh, previous documented injury, even if that doctor says it would be harmful for your child to continue vaccinating and there is a, a very severe risk of something else happening and you should be exempted. Even if that doctor says that, it will not be accepted by the health officer of the state who will only be looking at the list of contraindications. Now, I've had people uh, say to me, well, I look at that list of contraindications and it looks longer than what you're saying. But that's because it includes things like pregnancy, which doesn't apply to children. Right. Uh, children that um, have had... Um, uh, a, a certain reaction to just one vaccine that exempts them from that one vaccine, like right. intussusception, that would be a right. contraindication, but just for rotavirus. Right. So what we're mentioning are the two things that are a contraindication for all vaccines. Right, but uh, only the vaccine you got, right. but it applies to it possibly applies to every possible vaccine because you can suffer encephalopathy, which is by definition is, de definition is you either went into a coma or you had a severely reduced level of consciousness and severe brain injury that, that was permanent, basically brain damage, uh, and anaphylactic shock where you had to get you know, an epinephrine injection to revive you and save your life and you had to rush to the ER and, and you know, get your life saved. Th those are the two contraindications that, that might apply you know, to, uh, to kind of uh, all vaccines. And, yeah, and that's so, why we mentioned right, them. Right, yeah. so that, that's basically the kind of why we are now having an, an advocacy episode is because they're actively trying to, you know, uh, pass this law in California and, and other states. Uh, but, but then again, we feel like it's not going to stop there either. You know, it, it, it could, I mean, what more could they do? They could basically, again, make vaccines mandatory to be a human in the United States. And, and the problem is, Everyone right now is saying, oh, that's impossible. They could never do that. Right. There's no way our government would ever have such an extreme law. Well, you probably already know where I'm going to go with this, but you go back you know, 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, 500 years, you look at an entire history of civilization – and and all the atrocities that have happened, you know, worldwide, you know, government overreach and government making, you know, uh, 
these terrible laws and, and, you know, against certain people. And, and we look in hindsight and say, Oh, how could the population have allowed that to happen? How could the populace allow that? And, and that was so terrible. Well, if you go back to the beginning of, of each of those, you know, occurrences, it always starts with one little thing. They, 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 they take a class of people and they take away one little right because it sounds good to everybody. No one does anything. Everyone stays quiet. And then 10 steps later, a class of your society has lost all rights. They're kicked out of society and, and they, they become you know, literally criminals and, um, you know, with no rights and society at that point almost still thinks it's okay until history looks back on them. So yeah. that's what I worry of is happening now. And not that, you know, that you can label this as an atrocity or anything on, on par with what's happened in our history, but basically, you know, they, they, you know, are passing one law at a time that's narrowing and narrowing our rights more and more to the point where 10, 15, 20 years from now, they simply make vaccines are mandatory with zero opt outs. If you're going to be an American citizen, if you're going to be a human on this planet or Mars by that time too, you will literally be forced to accept vaccination. And why wouldn't they go? And there? all of the doses right. that they require. And all yeah. the doses. And and you as as little as you think they're they're gonna do that, I, I can guarantee they're gonna try to do that. And this is just one of the final steps towards that. Because not more much more they can do than what they're doing now. But let's talk right. about why it's happening right now. So this is like the busiest legislative season that I've seen in several years. Um, why is it happening now? Did California actually have anything happen that that prompted needing a bill like this when we're looking at 0.7% of children with medical exemptions, less than 1%? And to remind everyone, nationally, we have about a 1% rate of unvaccinated kids. So even though you're hearing about this all over the news as if these kids are everywhere and overtaking uh, our pop, you know, population, we're still looking at about 1% of completely unvaccinated kids. So think about that. That means about 99% are selectively, partially, or fully vaccinated. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Now, why is it happening this year? Did California have anything go wrong? No, it did not. Are vaccination rates dropping well below, you know, 85%? No, they're not. In fact, vaccination rates are higher now than they've ever been in our state. They are higher now than they were in the year 2000 when measles was eradicated, that they say, but it was really eliminated. But even then, there still were 86 cases. Um, why is it happening now? Because there was an outbreak in New York at the end of last year, and they realized they wanted to capitalize on the media onslaught that was coming. And so the truth is, these bills popping up in all these other states are just piggybacking on measles mania. Right. That's what's happening. Is there a need for this? Are there outbreaks everywhere? No. It says there's, there are outbreaks um, in 22 states, according to the latest thing, right? Some of these states might have six, seven cases distributed all over the state in previously vaccinated or recently vaccinated people. I've seen that with children. In Michigan, for example, out of the um, almost 35 cases they have, this is the majority are adults. But that's not a religious community. See, right. they're focusing on the religious communities where they know the children are unvaccinated by choice. And that's true. They are. I mean, this happens sometimes like the Amish communities. We've, we've seen these kind of outbreaks in self-limiting um, religious uh, or cultural right. groups. Right. But those are not – they do not have devastating effects for the rest of the country because the way that those things – they don't spread. Right. But why is why are we having so many measles cases this year? Because there are measles cases in every other country right now at higher levels than usual, specifically in Israel, in Europe, and now in uh, the Asian countries like Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines. So those cases exist all the time, but we're having an elevated year. This is what happens sometimes. We have a lot of American citizens who travel internationally like they do every year. And by the way, there are measles cases every year. You just don't hear about them. They can right. be a couple hundred right. cases. You won't hear about them. But we're having outbreaks in Israel. So we have populations like um, ultra-Orthodox Jewish uh, populations or cultural groups that are having exposure while they're there. And yes, their children are unvaccinated, so they're getting it. And there might be a high number of cases because there might be a high number of those people in that particular place. But this is not 
like spreading to all 50 states from just direct contact, right. that's just not the right. reality. And so they're using this as their ammunition to unveil. I mean, some bills were unveiled at the very last moment in other states because they're like, oh, this is good. This is right. happening. Yeah, yeah. L- this is our chance to pass it. They yeah. know they have a better chance now. Yeah. And then we, and then the, the unfortunate is bad timing. We now have a Los Angeles outbreak, you know, that's, that's starting off very small. Um, and, but, uh, but now, you know, UCLA and another Cal state, I mean, they're all, everyone's being quarantined and now it's, it's all over the news. Not that that prompted the California law, but it's, it's, you know, it's right, you know, it, it's, uh, it's kind of good timing for those who want to pass this law. Well, and, and for that, the that record, be fear here in, in, in Los there, Angeles. There will be. But so for the record, I talked to the LA County of Department of Public Health myself and all five cases are adults. Okay, and I, and right. people might say, why is that important? That's important because we're not talking about unvaccinated school children, so it really has absolutely no bearing on a law they're trying to pass or on legislation about further exclusion of medical exemptions or other exemptions. Uh, they are five adults. Um, one was from international travel; was the initial case to Vietnam, coming back and exposing two family members, also adults. And then a fourth case that was a, mem- a family member or friend, excuse me. Um, and then the fifth case is somebody who traveled to Thailand and came back with it. Again, it's happening other places. So everybody that is used to traveling other places this time of year um, to visit family or whatever and used to come back without measles, there's now you know, some people coming back with measles. So um, the, the, the point being measles outbreaks in the United States virtually never, and I can actually honestly say virtually never are starting in a school and, and are being caused by a, a unvaccinated school child. That's virtually never the case. It, I think it was the case once, maybe like eight or nine years ago, but that's, that's the minority. Mm-hmm. It's for the most part, it's, it's, uh, it's vaccinated adults who have lost their immunity because we don't revaccinate adults from measles because the the side effects are too severe from the vaccine. Well, if you're also an adult, they, they tell you it's lifelong immunity, so you don't need to. Right? They assume you have lifelong immunity, but most adults are not immune to measles, so they travel. Even if they're vaccinated, they'll still they might still catch measles and bring it back, or they might be an unvaccinated adult and catch measles somewhere and bring it back. That's where it's starting, but that's why school mandate laws won't change that. Yeah, won't change. We, that. we don't have herd immunity among adults. Um, uh, because the the vaccine wears off, um, and and also Melissa, you kind of made a good point, but I think we do want to move on to advocacy. But everyone who naturally caught measles, you know, prior like back in the fifties and sixties, and and we have this huge elderly population that are completely immune to measles because they have natural immunity. So that's why we don't see measles in the elderly because they all got natural immunity, you know, decades ago. As they pass on, uh, as they pass on from old age. That population is declining, so we're not going to even have the naturally immune older adult population. We're going to have all the elderly are going to not have any herd immunity because their vaccines wore off, but we can't revaccinate them because of side effects. Um, if you're wondering, it's, it's rheumatoid arthritis is a very common side effect if you get a MMR vaccine as an adult. Um, but you know, wait, but they are. Actually, they are. They're saying to say, tough luck. You have to just take the ri- the risk that you might suffer lifelong rheumatoid arthritis anyway, because we we want to give you another MMR vaccine. But mm-hmm. but I mean the the whole point being is you know that's partly why we're seeing more outbreaks worldwide is because uh, countries have lost their lifelong natural immunity because we stopped allowing kids to catch measles when they were young, um, and so that's partly why we're seeing it everywhere. It's not just because fewer families are deciding to do an, a measles vaccine nation. You know, well, that number is but, not really rising that much. Right, it's not rising I mean, that again, much, right. it's around 1%. So, in, in fact, more people are vaccinating with measles vaccine this year and last year and the year before than ever. What's the, what's the measles vaccination rate well, in, in California? In California, it's, it's about 97%. Yeah, 97%, 97% of, 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 of school kids are getting vaccinated with measles, and we're still having outbreaks. Yeah. It's because the vaccine wears off in adults, and it doesn't protect every single child. And that there um, are outbreaks elsewhere this right. year. 
that happened to be her. But yeah, we don't want to make this a measles episode. I think we really want to say, you know, what should people start doing? But I think the reason we're mentioning this, or the reason I'm mentioning this, is because I want people to know this information so that they can combat this when they're going to have the conversations they're going to have with the citizen advocacy, which is what we're here to talk about. So we've been doing town halls. Mm-hmm. Um, to help educate people around um, Southern California and even in Central California. We're going to be doing more of those. Um, they've been extremely successful. We've had an amazing, amazing turnout, thousands of parents, and um, w- not just an amazing turnout, but an amazing return on the investment right. because we are realizing and hope and, and hopefully we are helping people realize that like Dr. Bob said, this is the end. You know, um, when a bill like what's trying to happen in California passes, um, we're really at the end of where our rights are going to be anymore. And then they've already threatened going after homeschoolers, which would be their only option for schooling, which means you are no longer going to allow, your children will not allow to have any education in the state of California, even if your child is vaccine injured. And uh, we need people to understand that there is not a next time to get involved. And so, you know, everybody was asking us to Facebook Live our town halls or podcast about our town halls, but are you getting on your no, no, computer? No, no, mm-hmm. um, Even though uh, people, I know that there are people that would have loved to have access to that information, you know, this information is for showing up in person, coming together and mobilizing in person. And I would say that is my number one thing that I would suggest when we're talking about how do we advocate for medical freedom and informed choice at this stage of the game, there are a couple things. But the first thing I would say is we need in-person mobilization. You can no longer sit on Facebook and comment and like and share things and think that you're making a difference in the world. Because while you may be exposing somebody to some information they haven't seen, uh, you're most likely exposing it to the people who have already are already in this fight. And uh, we know that Facebook is censoring information anyway. So if that is your source and your level of political advocacy, I want you to close that chapter and say goodbye to that uh, part of your life. And I want you to step into a new role and a new level of advocacy, which is almost like going back in time, we are not going to be using just social media to communicate to each other. We have to communicate to each other and educate each other in person. So the first thing we need to do is this advocacy has to be about taking action. The first most important thing actual action, not, again, not Facebook posting, not um, emailing somebody, just emailing somebody something. We have got to physically show up. We have to show up together and we congregate and we have our education and we have to show up at our representative's offices and let them know the truth about what's going on. It's not like you're just showing them up to be like, hey, I disagree with this. This is my opinion and I'm disagreeing. You should listen to me because you're my elected representative. Like that's not the conversation we're having. We're having the conversation of I'm a constituent and yes, you do represent my voice because you are my elected official. But there are some serious things wrong with this law, and I would like to take some time to let you know how this law is going to negatively impact our family and why my child who's experienced suffering and terrible injury is now going to be left unprotected by the state with their educational and personal and medical rights stripped from them and how this is unethical and and we need to have a conversation about it. That's the conversation you're going to have with your legislator, right? It's not going right. to be right. like coming in there and be like, you work for me, damn it. And, uh, and you better do what I say. And, you know, that's not the conversation we're having. Right, right. right. We're going to have a respectful, polite, why are you laughing? Um, <laughs> Just why you went into a kind of a Southern-ish, Midwestern accent. That gummit, you work for me and you represent my voice and I got you licked in the first place. Uh, and so you better funny. listen to me. Like, but no, but, but I think it, it's a good point that you really have to be conscious at how you're presenting yourself um, in this movement. Um, and I think one thing we saw, I, I totally feel for people who, who are so angry about uh, these issues and they really speak their mind about it. Um, and and we saw in the in the legislative hearing that we just were at, you know, a lot of people were very very 
uh, angry about this law and they have every single right to be. Um, um, excuse me. Uh, but I think if you look at it from, I think a, a professional standpoint or a political standpoint or the people who, um, who kind of understands like, this is I'm why try- you cannot eat. <laughs> I know I'm trying not to burp podcast. into the microphone, <laughs> oh but hmm. Okay, I think I'm done. We'll see. <laughs> oh my God. I think that could be the first time you've ever put your hand to your <laughs> that forehead. Was a fa- that was a real on, life on my behalf experience. Uh, you've oh. known me for four years, and that's the first time. That's pretty good. Just that you've seen. <laughs> I mean, don't think I don't do it at okay, home. No, you, you have like, texted oh. me face palming yes. uh, emoticons you all get, the time. You get eye roll emojis probably more than anything <laughs> from me. I'll just be like, oh, please. Oh, yeah. So, um, anyway, so where was I? You um, said, oh, yeah, yeah, how you're presenting yourself because. Well, first, let's congratulate. Let, let's right. take a second yeah. to congratulate the citizens who show up in every state, not just yes. ours, yeah. and, and put their voice on record and drive five, six, seven, ten hours yeah, to be absolutely. there with their yeah. children, take a day off of work, pull their child out of school, um, or have to get somebody to watch their child at school while they come, a uh, wa- child at home while they come to the capital of whatever state that they are in, in buses, you know, paying for airplane flights. We're talking about a huge disruption in the life of American citizens right. that have done nothing wrong. And I want to just congratulate every single person who took the time and the effort to show up. Listen, I get it. You guys, not everybody is going to be a trained, political savvy person. And this is intimidating and this is overwhelming and it's emotional because of the suffering, the years of suffering these parents have already endured. We saw several parents burst into tears during just having to say their name and that they oppose because there's so much writing on this and this is life or death for many families. So while those legislators, this is just another bill and they've got lots of them to get through, for you guys, I know how much courage and bravery that it took to show up You've never done this before in your life, and you're showing up, and you want to make sure that you are contributing to the democratic process. I applaud every single one of those people. I could care less if somebody wants to criticize anything about them, anything about the way that they they did things. I understand where that's all coming from. Now, could we do it better? Yes. Right. So, yes. We could do it better. So, thank you for saying that, because that's so important. That's the most important message. Um, uh, I'm just going to tell you my personal opinion, and I will admit that I don't know, you know, what the exact best way to do this is. But my impression is is when someone goes up to that microphone to you know to say they're opposing it, and they say something extremely disruptive, something uh, very very negative or disrespectful, and, and they're, yeah, disrespectful. They're, they're not following the rules, and we know the rule is you know, state your name where you live, what your, your occupation is, yeah. your children and, and whether or not you oppose. And then someone needs, you know, you know, 10 or 15 more seconds to, to kind of give a message. They're even just breaking the rule on that. My impression is that I worry that that negates the 20 people that just came up to the microphone before you and, and gave kind of like a, a more thoughtful or, or, or professional or following the rules Um and 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 I'm not even counting cry. I mean, yeah, if tears come to your eyes, that's oh. great because that's important because that's how you feel. How could but somebody I'm, criticize no, but, that? Yeah, but I'm talking about the the, the rude, disruptive, extremely unprofessional or attack stuff. directly on attack, a certain yeah, standard. Direct, direct or, personal mm-hmm. attacks. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like you know the five people that just came in front of you. They might have said something great. Like like some people would say, um, even quick three seconds. Um, my child had a seizure after vaccines and won't be able to go to school if this bill passes. That's a great little, you know, three second message. You know, my child had a severe reaction and won't be able to go to school anymore if this vaccine passes. Um, I'm a, I'm a, a teacher and I see, you know, I, I know, you know, students in my class who, who were only mildly injured from vaccines won't be able to come back if this passes. You, so a lot of those great statements will, will the legislators will hear that and then someone comes up then just kind of just bashing you know a, a legislator and being you know, very rude and disruptive I worry it negates the 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 what the the 20 people that came in front of you and you're just you're making the legislators up there that might have started to listen and hear because 
wow, these aren't a bunch of crazy people. They're, they're, you know, they're, you know, people that are presenting themselves in a very respectful manner. Maybe I should listen to them. Oh no, here comes one crazy person. Now I'm not going to listen to them anymore because they're all crazy. I worry about that. And I don't know if I'm right. And I will completely support what Melissa just said, that you have that right to be, to be that way. I mean, if, if you feel like you need to be extremely disruptive and rude and then personal attacks, because that's what you just have to do. Every American has the right to do that. But I worry if that hurts, you know, our, our side of this process. Well, I will say I wasn't, I wasn't suggesting that everybody has a right to be rude and disruptive um, because that's not really effective. But what I'm saying is I understand not everybody is politically savvy about this. And listen, right. okay, two things I want to bring up. One there is a black cloud surrounding our advocacy at all times. Right. So it doesn't matter if you show up in business professional and you are an attorney and you are an educator and you are um, some other type of medical professional and you show up in business professional with your data and your facts. If you're coming to oppose a bill, a bill about vaccines, it's already the capital swarming with the anti-vaxxers are going to be here today. Right. Okay, so we are working against a huge mountain of judgment as it relates to who we are as a movement. And when people try to say, like, you should be more like this group that is, is in the Senate today opposing something, you should be more like, are you paying attention? No, I am. I am. I'm getting a really important text about that thing later today. But oh, my goodness. He is so distracted. Okay, so listen, listen, this is important. We have heard feedback from offices that say, you guys should be more like this group that's opposing this because they did things, whatever. The Every other group that opposes any other thing does not have to fight the stigma that we are fighting before we even walk into the Capitol. So, you know, we have to have a little leeway there with understanding that it doesn't matter how you look and present yourself always because you're going to still be the people fighting this bill. That's something we always work against. So that's a reality about our this issue this, this because it's so polarizing right. and so hostile in the media. That's why. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is this is a citizen's bill. And I said mm-hmm. this the other day because this is a people's bill. This affects people, mom and pop, random Joe Schmoes of California. Those are the people getting into their, in some cases, small and old car driving seven and eight hours just to put their, waiting in line for hours to just put their name on record. This is not a bill with organizational um, people against it. it this right. is which is what typically happens. Right. There are very few citizens' bills where you where you get this number of people that are coming to voice their opinion. You typically have bills where you've got I represent the CMA and I and I support this bill. I represent the AAP and I support this bill. Right. There are people that were there in support that are representing organizations, and this is what they do all day long, literally like with different bills all the time. So this is just another day's work for them. But for us, this is a people's bill. When you have a people's bill like this, you're going to get all types right. that come. And these are all, all and types. And we're so glad that everyone's coming again. I, I think, well, not just as far as numbers. I'm so impressed that in an age of non-action that we are seeing people take action. Because right. these, are so, these are people who could be 40 and 50 years old that have never come to the Capitol to, to, to give their opinion. Does that mean that they've never had a bill impact their life? No. They probably didn't know about it. They weren't involved. They weren't educated on it. And now they're showing up. So that's why I want to applaud all these people is because it takes a lot to show up, especially when you have the stigma against you. So already we've got so many hurdles that we're fighting that I think that that's incredible. What I think we could do better is show the best sides of us. I know that the emotion is there, and I know that there is a lot of hatred towards legislators that have put our families in these devastating circumstances because, again, they don't know us, they don't know our names, they don't know our children's names, and they don't know what they've done to us and what they're continuing to do. They don't know how this is literally disrupting marriages. People are losing their jobs. People have to leave a state that they've lived in for 30 and 40 years. It's destroying families because now you're going to have to move away from other older family members that can't move with you. 
This is truly devastating lives. And as a result, you show up to that microphone and you feel it all. In yeah. that moment, you're yes. feeling it all. And, I, yeah. and you're not the, the most like emotional person all the time, let's say, but there are people that they wear those emotions on their sleeve. And when they come up to that microphone, it spills out. Maybe they didn't want that to come out, but they're just, they are just so frustrated. And so that's why I get it. I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. And so, and that was a first hearing for many of these people. So I think as the process moves along, it'll be a little easier to, to regain gain some composure. And regaining composure is not to take away from the emotions that you feel. Regaining composure is to be the most effective with your time. Because if your voice is going to be recorded, you want it to say something that's going to register with a legislator that's going to keep sticking their minds. And it shouldn't be a personal attack. It should be something that says, like you're saying, exactly what happened to your child briefly, what your educational background is and your professional background. Show them that these educated intelligent parents have been victims of an unfortunate circumstance that this kind of bill will be further punishing with no fault of their own that they are going to be left out in the lurch because of something like this. So that's why we want that. That's the real message. This is not pretending to do something else. We're talking about tell the truth. This is the truth, but tell the truth in a way that will be the most effective use of your time. And this is not just California. This is anybody, anywhere. If you are advocating, and you should be advocating for this. If you're not, then what are you doing? But um, (laughs) if you're advocating for these causes and you have friends and family members, bring them with you. It doesn't matter what they do with their children or what they did when, you know, a generation ago. What matters is that they love you and they support you and your children and bring them with you to the Capitol at the next hearing, whatever state that you have, or bring them with you to your legislator's office and let them know, uh, let your legislator know how many people this is going to affect. Have those people calling on your behalf. Um, we're talking about uh, potentially you know, into the hundreds of thousands of families with all extended family and friends that would be affected by this kind of devastation. Mm-hmm. So we need to be seeing that many people stepping up and stepping up by taking action. And you know what, you guys, the truth is, uh, some of these decisions have already been made before even the hearings, before even you showing up, but that's not why you do it. You do it for you. You do it for your child. Like the reason you take action on this and the reason, and my big thing that I tell everybody is do not stay silent, right? Mm -hmm. I even use it as a hashtag. Do not stay silent. Share your story because they have forced us in a corner and they've forced us to have to get loud about it. They are trying to quiet us and hope we just comply and will eventually just go away. And if we stay silent and keep this kind of like a little hidden thing in our family or our social circle, but we don't really want to tell anybody because we're afraid of this ostracization. (laughs) Sure. I'll give you that. Ostracize? Ostracization. If we are afraid of that, we are harming the movement and we're harming our families because what we're saying is, it's okay that they're doing this to us. I'm just going to pretend it's not happening. And what we're also doing is we're making it seem like this is very rare because there are only a handful of people speaking out about it. The the rest of the people think, well, I haven't really heard any of my friends or family talk about a vaccine injury. Yeah. So as we stay silent, the idea that this is rare, that narrative continues on, supported. If we step out of our silence... You said before, step out of the box. We come out about this story. People will start hearing, and they could at least have two and three examples of people in their social circle that that were honest about it. And all we're saying is be honest. Be honest. You're not trying to convince somebody else to agree with you and move forward in whatever way you're moving, but be honest about it and let them know this is happening and who's going to be affected by it. Right? Yes. Yes, exactly. And, Are you going to stop being silent, Doctor Buck? <laughs> <laughs> I know, and then that's. I think that that silence has hurt our movement yeah. greatly. Um, like you said, everyone thinks severe vaccine reactions are only one in a million, and when um, instead the reality of you know, if you know, if it's one in a thousand, if it's one in five hundred, if if that many people start coming out and speaking out about it. 
what a difference that's going to make. But you don't just come out and start shouting about it. You come out by sharing your story with your friends heart and your heart. family members, people that already know and love you. Mm-hmm. If, you if you're listening to this, or you, and even more importantly, if you know somebody who isn't listening to this, but you know somebody who is staying silent out of fear. Send them this episode. I, yeah, exactly. But I think yeah. it's, it's incredibly important that um, you tell people that you love. Make sure everyone you love knows your story. Because if... If you if you've been silent out of fear, but if you then tell them your story now and they want to turn their back on you, then they were not worth having. 100%. Is, it is know, not a loss that you right. will feel down the line. I can right. guarantee you cuz I've been there. Right. You right. will not feel that loss, I promise you. Right. And and the the number of people that will stick with you and have your back and will join this movement even if it's all on your behalf. So you're one family. What if your 10 closest friends and neighbors and community people that you know joined you? They don't even have vaccine-injured kids, but they join you. Mm-hmm. You've just multiplied your effectiveness by 10. And we're talking about heart-to-heart conversations right. that are impactful right. and effective and not on Facebook. In right. person. Absolutely. Email. Absolutely. So I, I have a friend right. who has been in this for a long time, and she emailed all of her friends and family their personal story, people who she's known for years that she's never told. And even though she's been in advocacy on like Facebook and involved in this, she had never had the personal communication with people. And even an email, which is a more intimate yeah. form of communication, yes. yeah. especially these days, um, she got so many supportive and positive responses by people, some people who she had no idea were in the same boat and she had been like having contact with them for years, not knowing because we're so afraid to talk about it. And yep. in, in reality, we need to know it's happening so we can make a change and we can find solutions for this. Yes, That's yeah. why we need to know. Yeah, and I think um, if we don't, um, I think any government, any you know, uh, the media, um, even society, if they think there is a dangerous segment of their society, a, a segment of their society that's dirty, contagious, is putting everyone else at risk, because that's, again, that, that's how they, they see these families. Unintelligent. Unintelligent. Um, but that segment of society is, is very small. Then society will feel like they have absolutely yeah. every right to completely discriminate That's against true. you, ostracize you, kick you, kick you out of, out of their society, you know, forget, you know, separate, but equal education. We're talking no education right. here. You good know, not point, separate, Dr. Not, Bob. That's yeah. another good point. Oh, Two in a you. day. I, yeah. I mean, not separate drinking fountains, no drinking fountains. You're not even allowed in the park. Yeah. You know, you're not allowed on the bus. Um, you're not allowed, you know, in our cities. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, move you outside the city so you can live somewhere else. I mean, I mean, the, hist- the historical examples are very numerous. That is what they're going to do to vaccine safety advocates, you know, pro-informed consent advocates, people who are, you know, uh, you know, people who are simply trying to raise their kids naturally, but are silent because they only think, oh, well, there's only... There's only you know a few thousand of these families in California. We have every right to to uh, to discriminate against you. Um, if they knew there were a million families like this in California, um, that wouldn't be so easy for them to discriminate against us. And and we can't make it easy to be discriminated against. Right. right exactly. Because that's yeah. what it comes down to. Is people think. Well, you know, I mean, I'm just going to sort of be quiet about this and hope it doesn't get worse. It's like that is not going to be the solution. Right. We have got to be louder and not louder in the way that they think we're going to be louder, like, oh, these anti-vaxxers and misinformation and blah, blah, blah. Louder in the sense that we are going to share our stories these stories, you guys, are real. They have happened to people. We're not fabricating anything. This has happened. And you know what? That led me to a question I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, as as I'm watching all these people come to the mic and talk about their, their stories of vaccine injury with their family, and that's just who could show up that day, right. right? I'm looking at, I'm thinking, Senator Pan's watching this, and I'm thinking, does he even believe that vaccine injury happens? And if he only thinks it happens one or two times per million or whatever, does he think the rest of all of those parents are completely lying? 
Yeah. I want somebody to ask him that question. Yeah. yeah. Are you saying, are you suggesting, Senator Pan, that all of these people who have taken this long car ride or plane ride to get here today and brought their injured children, are you suggesting and telling me that every single one of these people is lying about this injury? Is that what you're suggesting? Because think about that. That is a very personal attack on us as parents. If he literally is looking at us going, are we making it up? Are we, where, what would we gain from this? What are we gaining from this? We are not right. gaining anything. We've talked about that before. Right. So are we lying? Right. Yeah. Is that what he thinks? I yeah, want to know. I know. Yeah. Tell I, me. I, well, I, I would say the, ge- <laughs> the, the general doctor perspective is um, not, not about the lying, but yeah, doctors are trained to feel that vaccine injuries, all of them, are coincidental. Okay. So are we lying? Right. So he probably, I, I would think doctors don't think you're necessarily lying or you're making up that these things happen. Mm-hmm. So what, they're, so what they're just it? assuming it's not due to vaccines. So are it's we, not related okay, to vaccines. so are we lying about it if we have doctors supporting us by writing medical exemptions saying that, are we lying? Because right. in right. order for us to be there, and we know that we're this highly educated portion of society because data has shown that. We know it's the higher educated parents are the ones that are questioning the aggressive 69 dose vaccine schedule. If we're educated and we're showing up, okay, and we've got our child there and we're saying this is happening, is he telling us that we're lying? That's what I want to know because by him, by him dismissing all of us, as if it's okay to pass this law, you guys are just going to have to deal with it. He's telling us that we are lying about it because no person with a heart could look at thousands of children who are injured and say, it's still okay that you're going to have further injury. So I think somebody needs to call him and whoever out on uh, all these other legislators that push this stuff. Are you telling us the thousands of people here today are lying about our stories? Hmm. You cannot tell me I'm lying. You cannot tell me that because you were not there with me. Right. You don't know my story. That's the point. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I realize this. Does, does he not believe that these exist? And if he doesn't believe they exist, are we lying? Why are we taking a day off of work to show up to lie about something? Right. And, and that, I think that goes to motivation. I mean, everyone has to have a motivation to be this active in this movement. And I think, um, I mean, everyone either has a, a financial motivation or they, um, uh, I mean, I guess it's mostly financial. It'd be yeah, almost what else everyone's motivate motivation you? if mm-hmm. you are going to devote your life to doing something. So every single, it's not like a family who they suffer a vaccine injury and they're like, oh my gosh, I can make tons of money off of this <laughs> if I start talking about it. Or, or I'm just going to make this up and join this movement. You know, that. Literally, families who who've had a, a severe vaccine reaction happen to their child, they gain nothing by speaking out about it. They lose; they risk losing a lot. They gain nothing, and and you know, Doctor Hotez on the Joe Rogan show and other people have kind of asked, you know, what is their motivation? You know, kind of as as evidence that that their motivation is real and their stories are real. I think Joe, Joe asked Peter Otez, yeah, what do you think their motivation is? And Peter Otez says, I don't know. But, but So if yeah, we're not lying, if we're not lying, right. and we're just misguided, so are you saying that we're unintelligent and unable to decipher things like this ourselves? Oh, but the data shows that we're actually higher educated. Right. So now what's right. your argument? Right. If we're not lying yeah. and we're not misguided, then what's your argument what's about left? why we're here? Right. Like somebody needs to call these legislators out in public, like in, in a hearing on this fact. Because yeah. what are you talking about? Educated um, professional business people that are parents that have degrees and professional backgrounds, okay? Have doctors who have agreed with them that their child would be at harm are showing up to oppose a bill and they are giving thousands of examples of why this is going to devastate and hurt families. If you know we're not lying and you know that we're educated, how could you be a human being with a beating heart and look at these people and say it's okay that your child has further damage? Somebody has to call them out on right, this. Right, and, and we know, I mean, we know all these legislators are human beings. We know they have hearts. Um, again, I, I think for me, it goes back to 
It, go, it goes back to the doctor mindset that, you know, Melissa, we are literally trained that every single vaccine reaction is coincidental. I get it. I right. totally get what right. you're so, saying. So, so I, I don't know what he thinks. I, it's I, coincidental. Right, it's right. probably was not that. Okay. So right. then are we so unintelligent that we weren't able to put two and two together? I, I, th- I would, maybe I'm guessing that they're expecting everyone to agree that it was coincidental and it wasn't due to the vaccine okay. and you should just therefore keep vaccinating. Right. However, that's right. not the truth. And, right. and if there was one person right. showing up in opposition, maybe, right. but we're talking right. about thousands of people. They can't yeah. all be wrong, Dr. Bob. Right. They can't all be wrong. Maybe one or two people could be wrong. They can't all be wrong. I know. This is why I don't do coffee. no but seriously like i was thinking about this yesterday and i'm thinking does he think we're all lying then if he thinks that these vaccine reactions aren't happening because if he thinks they're real and they're happening you can't legislate this bill and if he doesn't think they're real does he think we're all like um you know like mentally inept does he think that we don't have the intellectual ability to understand what's real and not real and if he if he knows that we're higher educated what does he think our motivation is does he think that some of these people just don't want their kids vaccinated maybe there are a couple of those but what about the rest of the people with actual injuries that said it yeah and 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 you know the the, that committee is not the only committee that's seeing these stories because we know families have been faxing in or hand carrying and their their stories to the to all legislators off doing that yeah everyone. so yeah if i could say one thing for you to do we've already said facebooking doesn't count anymore so take action it's totally in ineffective person. you write down your story of, of uh, vaccine injury in your family and you know and how you got a medical exemption if, if you did uh, it doesn't matter if you did or not if you have a vaccine injury story um you need to personally make sure you've gone into your your California Assembly person's office and your California Senator's office. Or whatever state that you're people. in. Yeah, whatever, whatever you're state. Right, whatever you should state be going to in. your representatives in um, your state. And and even go into your federal representative's office too. So on the on the federal level, um make sure that you have personally shared your story with their office because if they get five stories, that doesn't matter. If they get five hundred stories, it matters. And I from the patients I talk to, I can guarantee with 100% certainty every legislator's district in, in, you know, all over our state and everywhere has probably at least 500 constituents living in their district who have suffered a severe vaccine injury because we know the data shows that, that, that it is that common. Um, and they need to hear from you guys. If you haven't personally done that and walked, in, walked your story into the office – and these bills pass, then to me, that's a problem. That, that is a problem because you didn't do the, the most basic thing that, that everyone has the right to do in a democratic society. And I'll say that even if a bill has passed, so maybe you're just hearing this podcast, your, your bill already went through in your state devastatingly. Right. I want people to still show up. Go make yeah. an appointment with your senator and your assembly member and yeah. still go share your story. You never know who you're going to impact with the truth of your experience. You don't know the aide or the staffer in their offices. You never know whose eyes you can open to the reality that these people exist. These children exist. And I'm sorry, all the medical establishment who thinks I'm giving misinformation with what I just said, but the truth is it's real. It's real. It's happening. It's happened. These children need to have a voice. You have to be their voice. You have to tell their story. It is a, it is a shame to them to stay silent and not let somebody know that this is happening. Go be your best educated and professional self and show up at your representative, no matter what state you're in listening to this or what country that you're in, go to your local um, politician's office that represents you, your representative, and go even bigger if you if you want and you can get to even um, higher levels of office and go share your story. If, if you're part of a group with 20 and 30 and 50 moms and dads that... Uh, are in the same boat, all write them down and on take that packet in. If you're part of a larger group of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, have everybody write them down on a one piece of paper and take them in, have them printed out and take a packet of 500 stories and drop it down on the desk yeah. of your representative and say, I'm just one of these and this is what's happening and we need your help. Right. We need to be and deserve to be protected. Right. And and what's really important is and the, the huge problem is we all wait until the very end when there's a bill to take action. Yeah. This 
this season, the like legislators only meet for certain, you know, a few months out of every year to do bills. The whole rest of the year, they're they're out around you know, in their home districts and yeah. they're they're legislating. They're they're helping to guide things. They're doing you know all the things they do, and they have they have way more free time the whole rest of the year. And what's what's killed us is we never do any of this until a bill is on the mm-hmm. table. When a bill is on the table, that's the absolute busiest time of that legislator's year because your legislator is actively trying to work on his or her own bills and get her own bills done. So they don't necessarily have time to listen to, to the bill that you care about. And so they, you, you, it's harder to get a meeting this time of year. Do it anyway. But what we need to start doing is all year long, right. don't wait for a bill to happen. Start sharing your vaccine injury stories you know, when it's not the part of the year where everyone's too busy to meet with you. And, and I'll tell you what, what, what angers me, and it's, the anger is mostly directed at myself, is um, you and I had this conversation back in December when, when you and I both kind of decided that this California bill was going to happen this year. We suspected, and and so I went to uh, to two people that are very active in this legislative movement, the the leaders of two really big organizations that are that have tons of grassroots followers, and they they you know have all the you know meetings, and they they're in Sacramento all the time. They're you know, two of the leaders of this movement. I told both of those leaders, send uh, there's going to be a bill in California this year that's going to try to take away vaccine medical exemptions. I'm I'm. I don't know if I don't know I don't have evidence of that, but I suspect they're gonna do it this year. So now, right this very moment, we have to start getting every family to go to the legislator to share their vaccine injury story. And both of those leaders told me no. Hmm. Um it's not gonna happen this year. You know, we have eyes and ears in Sacramento. We would know, right? We would know. You know, our our people would have told us. Um you know, we, we don't want to, you know, have everyone waste their time and use their time unnecessarily. It's so exhausting to have people advocate that way. So we would rather people continue the grassroots movements kind of in their communities and, and try to, you know, uh, hmm. you know, we're, we're going to keep sort of trying to decide what to do. Um, but Dr. Bob, your idea uh, of having parents waste their time doing that is an ineffective use of time right now. Which, because because we, we we don't hear any rumors of that, and then we know. But this, even if there wasn't, them going to have those meetings would have never been ineffective. No, you, no you're right. You're right. But I think the, the idea is what can we do now to make a difference? And they said there's no reason to do that now. So if we had started that back in December and January and February before all the bills started coming along – and people had time to meet with their legislators, yeah, and they could have had meetings, and we could have plopped those 500 stories down in front of your personal legislator instead of just their aide. We could have preempted this um, because we know once a bill is introduced to the committees, it's then it's probably won. We know we've probably already lost once it gets, it gets introduced. If you can convince all your legislators before a bill's ever introduced that the idea of such a bill is is a bad idea, so the bill would never even get introduced because the senator trying to introduce it can't get enough support because mm-hmm. you've already reached their legislators. So we failed in this respect in California, and I should have been more adamant about about what I wanted people to do, and I kind of I said okay, I, I stepped back, and then when we heard about this bill, I then you know got a lot more active in, in, in doing this. So the reality you, is everyone right. listening, we all need to be more active in the right. political process, right. period. Right. And consistently. Right. We are no longer going to let these bills be introduced and passed and steamrolled right. over us. We are going to stay mobilized. Yeah, but 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 we have to be smart about how we're doing it. Yes. So I think the number one thing you can do if is if you're in a state that, that like doesn't have a bill like this right now. And there's no vaccine bills in your state. It's too late to probably to, to do it this year. Wait until this legislative cycle is over because everyone's you know running around their heads cut off right yeah. now. They're they're too busy. When things quiet down, you start this movement in your state by actively taking to your legislators your you know combined groups of vaccine injury, injury stories from every single person in your state. Um, again, don't follow California's lead on this because we 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 didn't you know. We didn't succeed in that earlier, like we should have this year, and we're hoping that you know that we succeed this year as as this moves forward. But um, anyway, take action 
uh, in this way in your state so that when a senator in your state tries to introduce a bill like this next year to your state, you'll have preempted that. Uh, and that's that bill won't get enough footing, hopefully, to even be introduced. And then, you know, we'll all be moving to your state because we'll be, <laughs> and we'll also, be kicked out of this state. Let me encourage you <clears throat> for people who have state informed choice groups, do your best to be creating your networks that are going to be off of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Do not make Facebook the only source of you guys uh, connecting and strategizing and, um, you know, discussing your activism. You are going to have to get emails from people and start getting meetings on a regular basis once a month with the um, in your county of informed choice parents. And there needs to be a leader in every county of your state that's running these so that we stay connected and we stay involved. And we're just going to have to go bigger. And I got news for you guys. I'm not getting quieter on this, and I don't want you to get quieter on this either. Uh, We have done nothing wrong. My child has done nothing wrong. It is not fair that she is going to be discriminated against or lose her educational rights or medical rights when she suffered already. So I'm not letting this happen. And you should not be letting this happen. And we should all be fighting this together. And we have to take it to the next level. And we have to take it off of just social media. And we have to start getting together in person to make a difference. Start having the conversations with everybody that you know, everybody around you. Tell them your story. Tell them how this would affect you and how your life would be changed. We know so many families would be devastated by this. Do not stay silent. I mean, we literally could sit here and talk for two more hours about it. But hey, we're gonna. um, Thanks for listening, guys. guys. This is this is so this is so so critical. And thank you, Melissa, for your passion as you've given these same speeches in these town hall meetings over these last couple of Are you weeks suggesting and- you've heard this before and <laughs> this is not new? I said new things right. today yeah, no, that I have not said yes. Yes. in a town hall because no, every I, time it's something different, whatever yeah. is, you know, we're going off. Yeah. But listen, if you are also, if you are uh, leaders of informed choice movements in other states and you want to connect because we realize this is a national effort and we need to stay connected on a national level as well, mm-hmm. um, email or message our, um, excuse me, message our immunity education group uh, on Facebook email and then we'll be able to connect via traditional email so that we can all stay informed and connected for efforts that we're going to need to start mobilizing on a much bigger level right yeah and uh, rate and review us of course as always only if it's five stars yes (laughs) and only if it's a nice review you hear me Oh my God. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? <laughs> that was the... <laughs> the mom just came out of me. I know. All right. Thank you guys, you guys thank for you listening. Guys. We'll see you next time we'll you next on time. the Vaccine Conversation, conversation. With, with Melissa and Dr. Bob. You love doing that for some reason. Will not and understand The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.